You're listening to the Reversing Climate Change podcast by the team at Nori, the carbon removal marketplace. This is a show about the innovators and entrepreneurs developing solutions to climate change. Hi, everyone. This is Alexandra Guerra from Nori, co-founder and director of corporate development. For this bonus episode, we've invited Nicole Sistrom, founder of Sutro Energy Group. Nicole has written an article about the three ways CEOs can tackle climate change and build a net zero economy. So we thought we'd have a fun little conversation, record it and share it with you guys so that maybe you can inform your business leaders on how we can achieve net zero economies through changing our business practices. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for being here. How are you doing? It's great to be here. Yeah, we're great. So you wrote this thing, this three ways CEOs can tackle climate change. It's on the World Economic Forum. We'll include a link into the, the show notes. But why don't you tell us what are those three ways that we can tackle climate change? Sure. So um, I guess I'd start by saying, I mean, I know <laughs> your whole company is based around this, like climate is a problem. We, there's a role for really everyone to play. And I think it's been really heartening to see the corporate world start to really step up, at least in in words over the past 12 months, I'd say. And now, you know, the science is pointing us towards you know, this is really the decade where we have to cut 50% of emissions in order to stay on track to hit our 2050 goals. And, and the corporate world really um, needs to start turning those words into action. So that was really the motivation for writing this piece. And, and so the three, I outlined three ways that CEOs can really work on this. And uh, the first one is supporting early stage entrepreneurs in climate and climate technology and helping to scale solutions. The second is lending climate innovators political capital. So helping early stage companies really play in the political arena where you know large corporations have a lot more uh, infrastructure and experience. And then finally, making net zero a part of, of your business strategy. So happy to dig into to any of those that, that are interesting. Well, I thought it was really interesting that you had laid out one and two. So it's not just supporting uh, early stage startups financially. It's also about supporting them politically. I think that rings really true for us because we see particularly within the space of carbon removal. Um, that's one, yeah. one part of the climate change space that it's very nascent and there's a yeah. lot that's constantly changing and shifting. So now there's uh, the Biden administration and they're talking about a carbon bank and you know, we've been here three years trying to create a voluntary marketplace for carbon removal with farmers. And so like everything is constantly changing and we always want to be involved in those conversations. But that seems like something almost when I read that limited to businesses that are a little bit larger. So maybe corporations that have some political pool or capital as opposed to smaller organizations where maybe they can't even help out in that way. Yeah. Well, so I guess what I'm getting at here is from a climate tech innovation perspective, like many of these companies are, they're small, right? And and a lot of them are still working out a fair, I mean, there's a lot of work to do just to get the technology developed or the business innovation, you know, like the the financial innovation, whatever the, the innovation of the company is, it's like, it's still, these climate technology companies are still early in their life cycle. And there's just a lot of hustle just to like do the work of the company itself. But it's still important to remember that these, all of these startups are happening within a political, within a policy context, within a political context. I think 
you know, maybe 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, in the kind of first round of what we call the green tech, then there was a lot of emphasis on the startup as related to policy changes and like how policy would affect the startup. And a lot of business plans, a lot of companies got funded based on, you know, a carbon tax getting passed, like a future carbon tax being passed. And then those things didn't happen. And I think investors and, you know, entrepreneurs really got burned in their connection to policy. But I'm hopeful that we're sort of like the circle is kind of coming back around, right? Because we can't make the changes we need to make (laughs) as a global society, as a global economy without changing our laws and changing our policies. And I think a lot of startups are realizing once again, your work with carbon removal is probably the best example of like how important policy is in order to get these companies, these early stage climate technologies kind of kickstarted in the way that we need them to be. At the same time, you know, most of the entrepreneurs at the early stages that I've met are, they don't get into this because they know about policy. They get into it because they they are passionate about climate in general, or they're passionate about whatever technology they have. They're technologists often at the very beginning. And they don't frankly have time to go figure out like who to talk to in Washington, DC, let alone any one of the state governments, if we're, if we're speaking from a, you know, a US perspective, um, which I know this analogy extends to other countries around the world. And a lot of larger companies do. They do have, they're large enough to have, you know, sort of whole regulatory departments and, and policy people on staff and, and they lobby all the time. <laughs> Even they, and, and they lobby, they're very happy to lobby on things that aren't necessarily directly in line with their business, you know, their business model. But it just seems to me like there's an opportunity here. I mean, at a minimum, what we need is the corporate world to stop lobbying against climate action because there, there's a lot of that going on, unfortunately. You know, companies stand in the way and say, you know, oh, we can't do anything on climate because that will hurt us in some way, which it, it provides a lot of cover for policymakers to then uh, not take the bold action we need to take. So I think at a minimum, we need to ask this kind of large corporate lobbyists to to stop lobbying against climate action. But then furthermore, I think figuring out a way to to lift up climate technologists and and help them engage in the policy arena in an effective way, I think can really help move the policy environment forward in a way that actually helps the climate, climate tech get something done, right? Because the other thing that I think can happen is those policymakers that are working on innovation policy, which is I think a lot of what where you and I are talking about at this moment, like if innovators aren't part of that conversation, there's no guarantee that that policy gets made in a way that actually helps the innovator. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. It, it's really interesting because we're all playing a, a very essential role yeah. and we're all part of a crew really on, on this one deck. So policymakers, innovators, large uh, established companies and corporations, and we have to be communicating with each other and the unique role that early innovators or startups in the climate tech can, uh, space or any space can play is that they can innovate and test because we have lower risk, we have lower capital, we don't really have like a set, very functioning, a highly operating, high volume business model. We can test and iterate and build new, new solutions. Um, that's something that policymakers can't do. And so, yeah, it needs to be an open dialogue where learnings can be shared between the two and yeah. uh, what the innovators 
learn or share can be implemented or at least considered in the policy that it's, that's being made. I think that's my one concern is when policies get over prescriptive. It's like, yeah. wait, you, you would take forever to innovate and fix the mistake of the assumption that you made in the policy that you wrote. If, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, like, it, it's so right. I mean, making good policy, that's why we have professional policymakers, like, you know, but because it is a hard thing to do. Uh, but, you know, it's like, I think about the 45Q tax credit, right? Which is so many people point to is like, this is the, this is the policy we have to support carbon removal. But like, if you're not a huge company, like if you don't have a huge project that's removing massive amounts of carbon, you can't take advantage of it, which stifles this whole carbon removal, you know, nascent industry. We have so much innovation going on. It's questions like that, where like, if, if innovators were at the table and they could say, you know, we have to lower this limit or how can we make this work so that it's it's more available to, to everyone. Then I think, you know, we lift all the boats at once versus just like Chevron being the only company that's able to like take advantage of it, which I don't think is desirable for us to get where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I want to shift a little bit to the your point number three, which is make net zero part of a your business strategy. Every business is different in its shape, size, customers, market, what they're doing. Can you tell us a little bit of some of the examples that you have seen to work to make net zero part of how you run your business? Yeah, yeah. I think, well, maybe another way to, to state this, make net zero part of your business strategy is my belief that like, if you are a company, you are a climate company. Like everyone needs to be asking you know, if you are operating and doing business right now, you need to be asking yourself the question of like, how does a changing climate affect what we do and, and what can we do to be resilient to a changing climate and hopefully help mitigate against that climate? So I think maybe one of the most public examples of this is, is Microsoft, right? Like they do software. It's not like a company that you're like, oh, there's a, you know, I guess they're software, you know, running software consumes electricity and like they should be concerned about, you know, energy efficiency in that way, like fine. But, you know, I think Microsoft for actually for many decades now has been experimenting with different ways to bring climate into its work and innovate against it. I mean, they for a while they had an internal carbon tax that they sort of imposed on every business decision, which I think is pretty wild and innovative. And now, you know, now they have a whole, they have a climate fund. They have, you know, they just have a lot of people working on how climate should come into their decisions, but also into their customers' decisions, right? And I, and I think it's all from the perspective of, you know, we have a better, more sustainable world, then there's a better economy that helps Microsoft grow its earnings, right? So I, you know, I think every company can be asking itself, what climate risk do I have and what opportunity do I have to, to affect that and or benefit from some adopting some kind of climate innovation? Um, I think just the very basic questions of like, where are you cited? How would a disaster affect your operations? Like, what can you do to, to be resilient to that? Where do your people live? <laughs> Are they safe? Starting from that basic perspective makes a lot of sense to me. And I also think, you know, there's there's the kind of normal list of like, try to switch to renewable energy and, and do, you know, 
become more efficient in your operation, which people should definitely do. But, you know, I think it's more what the climate question really invites you to do is have take a broader long-term view on where your business is headed and, and the impact it's having beyond maybe just what you, you know, sell every day. I see the value of what you're saying, right? Like, Hey, one of the co-founders of a climate change startup. So I'm not going to disagree with, with what you're stating here. I'm going to push back a little where it's like, I don't know that every company or business should see themselves as a climate business. I think they should. It's kind of like, it's, it's interesting because we're, we're seeing a shift, right? So before it was, how do I make, if I'm going to make a business, you know, it's to make money because that's the point or to have fulfilling work, et cetera. I think we're seeing a shift now, especially in the millennials, uh, where it's not just about the money or the salary. It's, do For I sure. feel like I belong? Do I feel like there's purpose in my work? What is the impact, et cetera? Uh, and we're seeing a shift in that way which is good. So we could see a shift where more businesses make net zero part of their business strategy, but there are still, so I've been living in Peru for about six months. Um, and there's a lot of industry, of course, from there, because you have businesses who are taking commodities and selling them to other uh, foreign owned organizations that then might sell them in the U S or Europe or something. Right. And I wonder, you know, for those types where you have just communities that are just trying to survive. Like, and we have a lot of that also in the U S as well. Like we have businesses that are just like, yeah, they're trying to maintain their community. How do we speak to them in a way where it's like, look, it's not a either or like, how do we tie in climate when it's just so it's so separate from what the business owner owners are even thinking or the community is concerned about? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good that uh, I like the question. It's a good pushback. I, I guess what I would argue is that I'm encouraging people to at least ask the question, right? To at least have it on their radar that this is a thing. I think if you're a Fortune 500 company, like you should be having a lot of activity on this, hands down, no questions asked, right? I, I think what you're pointing to are these sort of smaller entities and maybe in emerging economies where people are still kind of scrambling, right. To just to kind of make the business successful, which I, I, for that group of people, it may be enough to just have the conversation in your mind to start having the conversation. And and I, I would also tie it back to political power because I think one of the main reasons that policies on climate don't get passed is because of a storyline about how it's going to ruin an economy, how, you know, switching to renewables will be more expensive or regenerative agricultural practices will be more expensive and less people will have jobs and and therefore, and you know, that it's not. And then there's also the whole trope of the problem with the developed world turning to the developing world, right. And saying to emerging economies, like don't develop those fossil fuel resources you've got you're trying to like lift your your country out of raise raise the standard of living in your country and but please leave all those resources in the ground that you have like that's yes totally agree that's completely problematic but what i what i would argue again is people need to be asking the question and engaging in ways that they can in ways that make sense to them i mean it's not going to make sense for everyone to go all the way. And like, yeah, if you're a small business, like you don't need to hire a person to come up with a climate strategy for what you're doing. But I think there's some having the conversation, asking the question, the more that we have this in our mind, you know, 
in order for us to make the changes we need to make, this is like a top to bottom reorganization of our economy. We have to decarbonize every last little corner of everything. And that, that is going to touch every business eventually, maybe not tomorrow, but it will. No, I think you're absolutely right. And it's a good response, which is, all right, just ask the question. And maybe, uh, and, and I love that response mainly because it allows room for it to be non-confrontational or, or to not be something that is threatening, right? Yeah. It's always strange when you ask these types of questions because it might seem like, okay, well, I have to be one or the other. I have to like either give it all or, or give none. And I don't think that the world is so black and white. And we should at least give room for the idea and the exploration of what would happen if I were to consider this thing, because I do care about it, or I do believe it's important in some way. And you are totally free not to take action on that. Uh, but at least it's, it gave some space. And the more space we allow for these types of conversations on how do we include climate in the decisions that we make every day, business or otherwise, we will continue to, as a society, progress. But then there's always a question of time and urgency. So, <laughs> well, so I think one of the hard, the other sort of aspects of this conversation is like the focus on an individual company and like choices at that company level versus trying to change the whole system, right? And and I and maybe that's part of what you're pointing to here is like a smaller company. It works within a system, right? Like it can't completely change how power is delivered, you know, or whether uh, the, the trucks a company uses are are gas powered or, you know, electric, right? But I, d- I definitely don't want to make the argument here that corporations, if corporations just change their mind, you know, about how to do something, and we're all in on climate, like this problem would be fixed. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I, th- I think it's why I'm linking it to political power as well, because that is eventually that is actually how a system gets changed is you have to have policy but these two kind of things have to happen in tandem right like we need movement in the corporate sector in whatever way it makes sense for the company that you know you're a part of and running and some companies are larger have larger footprints have more power they should be doing more versus a smaller company that you know is much more um at the whim of the system around it but the more movement we generate within the corporate sector, I think the easier it becomes for policies to move on the kind of timeline that we're talking about. We need to have them move on. Yeah. Again, it goes, I think it goes back to the fact that there are key roles that we all play in this yeah. effort, the private sector. So corporations, businesses, small, medium size as well, innovators and entrepreneurs and startups and then policymakers themselves and the people who support them. So voters, as well as c- consumers, we're all part of this. And so having this, having the space or the forum to ask those questions and have those conversations is the key here. And then, yeah. and making those connections, making space for them. So that again, goes to your point number two. We, I didn't even go into point number one to me. I kind of just skipped over it because it's kind of like, yeah, I give, uh, <laughs> Give money to startups. So let's just do a quick little, let's just give some space to your point number one, which is supporting early stage startups. My point here is that, you know, especially if you're an established company, like you're typically not set up to have major game changing innovation. You're a large company with a lot of business lines and that businesses to protect. And so the innovation that you will do within, you are most likely to do within within your corporate 
culture already is more incremental, right? Like, like a, a better widget, you know, a better dishwasher next time around, a little more efficient lawnmower, that kind of thing. Versus, you, you know, what the studies show us is that blue sky innovation, at least nowadays, really tends to come from with outside of large established businesses. And so what I'm calling for here is the kinds of innovations that we will need for those kinds of innovations that we still need to address the climate crisis. I'm encouraging those corporations with balance sheets or with philanthropy to think about how to invest in and lift up and support and partner with these early stage companies in ways that help, you know, move their products forward, move their development um, and help them scale um, so that their products become the, you know, the climate tech companies, their products become more widely available and and therefore we can have the impact that we hope they'll all have. <laughs> and then, and then the other, you know, the other point is the, the innovation piece is, is forward looking, right? But there are also solutions that already exist and encourage companies to get to think about how to help deploy those that are ready to go already. Because again, we're talking about decarbonizing every single corner of our economy, every single corner of our industry. Like that is, it's a big task. It's a really big task. Yeah. So it takes some coordination. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I really appreciate you sharing some of your insights. We'll include a link to the article that uh, Nicole wrote. Thank you so much for your time here, Nicole. Oh, it was my pleasure. So fun to chat. Take care. You too. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and or Stitcher. It really helps us a lot to get this content to a wider audience. If you think what we're doing is useful, interesting, fun, hopefully all three, we'd certainly appreciate your rating and review. You can keep up with Nori at Nori.com, where there is a newsletter. That's Nori.com slash subscribe. There's podcast. There's a whole bunch else. Or you can send us an email at podcast at Nori.com. We are also now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Nori podcasts if you'd like more content, engagement, and community. And thank you so much for your support.